Welcome, welcome. Week 11 of the Home Dogs podcast. Mike, Mark, and Travis with you here on our quest to win the Westgate Super Contest. Uh, we're struggling a little bit, coming off another subpar week. We were 1-3-1. and one. Very disappointing, very demoralizing. But overall, we're still hanging in there. We're 26-21-3 on the season. That's 55% clip. So, you know, if you were just following our picks all along, we, we could have made you some money if you listened. 243rd place in the Super Contest out of 1,200. So, you know, we got seven weeks now to ramp it up, do well, try and get into the money. I guess the best news of the week last week is that our pod lock hit. So if you listen to this pod and you didn't check the website on Sunday to see our picks, then, uh, you know, you would have won with the Rams because they were the only team that covered for us. Uh, we got chubbed by Nick Chubb, who went out of bounds in the final play in Cleveland, and we pushed that game. And then our three losses were awful. San Francisco... Probably a good call, but we couldn't get that back door because Nick Mullins likes to throw interceptions. And then Denver and Chicago were slow, slow deaths. Uh, Travis, what were your takeaways from week 10 in the NFL? Yeah, I mean, the week before uh, week nine, you know, we didn't have a great record, but a lot of the games that we discussed ended up hitting. So that was very frustrating because we just we picked the games right. We just didn't pick the right games. This week, that wasn't the case. I mean, a lot of the games we discussed and didn't take were bad, too. This week, I feel more down than than last week, uh, you know, and the couple losses that stand out. I mean, Denver, we knew Locke was bad. We thought the Raiders were a bad defense. He threw four interceptions, I think. So that was, you know, back to back weeks with him and Alex Smith turning the ball over constantly. So that's, you know, you can't overcome that. And then the Bears on Monday night was just brutal. I mean, Corderell Patterson has just been so bad in our games. And then he finally takes one to the house. And we have Dwayne Harris, our old friend, coming back uh, and muffing the punt. We were killed by muffed punts, too, this week with uh, Harris and then two in the Niners game, which the Niners have made a tradition now in the last decade of muffing punts in bad spots. So it was frustrating all around. But back on the horse this week. That that Chicago game, no offensive touchdowns at home with no crowd against one of the worst defenses in the league. Mark, would you ever take the bears naggy Foles combo ever again uh, obviously after monday it's kind of hard to say yes but uh i i, I don't want to roll out teams i feel like earlier this season we, we had rolled up rolled out some teams and they end up covering um there's one team i'm gonna get to this week it sucks the loss sucks especially it's when it's on monday and you know we could have kind of turned our week around but uh, i don't want to roll out taking any teams going forward you better not be talking about denver but we'll we'll get to that later <laughs> um. <laughs> it's a greedy tease the, just before we get into it, I mean, to make the weekend even worse, the Masters recap. I don't know if I should do it here. Yeah, let's hear it. How'd you do? Uh, I didn't end up doing very well. My picks <laughs> did very well. I gave out way too many picks and I screwed myself in three different ways. So I'm going to list them. The first is I mentioned DJ as a second shot player that I like and I never bet on him or told you to bet on him. So that was a problem. Uh, number two, I should have played my guys that I picked in the top 10 and then sprinkled to win. Mike, you asked like what the strategy is. I think that's got to be it. You know, you play 10 bucks for top 10 and then five bucks for a win or something like that. Guys I mentioned, you know, the finish in the top 10, Cam Smith and Sung J.M. tied for second. So that's frustrating. I didn't, you know, do anything there, although I had him top 20. So I cashed a little bit. Justin Thomas was fourth. McElroy was tied for fifth. Webb, and Webb was tied for 10th. And Leishman, of all people, was tied for 13th. So... It's frustrating. I'm going to stick to the plan, learn from my mistakes in April. But, uh, you know, it was like right church, wrong pew with a couple of these guys. They were in contention. And at the end of the day, DJ was just too good. Yeah. DJ didn't really make it interesting on Sunday. It got close for like two seconds, but it never really felt like he was going to give it away to Cam Smith or uh, or Sungjae. But overall, the, I mean, it, the positive was the NFL schedule breakdown on Sunday with the seven four o'clock games and five one o'clock games. Hopefully... They go to more of an even split going forward, but I don't think we'll ever see that again unless there happens to be another golf major in the fall because of a pandemic. So, uh, all right, we'll start it off this week. I'm going to just throw it out here, see if anybody wants to get crazy, live on the edge. But I love the Seattle Seahawks laying three at home on Thursday night against the Cardinals. I know it's probably not worth it to force it because there's a lot of COVID stuff out there and you never know if these games are going to get pushed or canceled. But so far, the NFL has stuck to their guns and no game has really been canceled. And I think at this point would be okay saying that all the games are going to be played this weekend. So that would be my one argument as to why we should take Seattle. This line opened at five and a half. It's dropped down to three. 
everybody's on Arizona after the Hale Murray. I'll open this up to both of you. Do, do either of you guys want to get involved in this game? I'm, I'm fine backing off if not. I would think about it. I mean, if, if we want to do kind of a risky strategy this week where I think it's probably time to start taking chances, we, we could go for the Thursday game. And I do think there's value on, on Seattle. I'm intrigued. Yeah, I'm definitely going to be on Seattle. Uh, my concerns about locking in early are less with COVID and more. There's a couple of outstanding injury things I'd like to get cleared up on some of the other games interested in. You know, the difference between having to lock our picks tomorrow afternoon and then, you know, as compared to Saturday afternoon is uh, is a big difference. Now, maybe it would help us because, you know, we tend to rearrange the deck chairs on the Titanic here late in the weekend and it never helps us. So maybe, maybe we should just lock something in early. Yeah, I saw the Cardinals had another defensive line injury. This guy, Corey Peters, who's a defensive tackle. Um, I think he's out for the season. I feel like that defense has been shaky the last three or four weeks. And obviously uh, they beat Seattle in that crazy, uh, crazy game a couple weeks ago. So I think Seattle really needs this game. So I, I do like the spot. I mean, Arizona's defense, I don't think I would say they've been bad the last couple of weeks. They've been bad the entire season. If you look at if you look at some of the results that they've had, they've they've had some easy games against the Jets. But I think their defense is pretty poor. I don't know how they're going to stop Russell, who's angry. Maybe, I mean, the Seahawks defense also has been bad, and there's no way around that. But when you They've look been at it, extremely bad. <laughs> What's weird, I, I actually thought they played decent last week against the Rams. It's like a pretty good offense. They only gave up 23 points or something like that. That's it, true. Just good, good for them. I mean, we'll, we'll get to the Rams, but suffice it to say, the Rams don't put up a lot of points for an offense that we think is good. The other thing, just on a short week, I mean, they didn't have the Seahawks didn't have their running backs last week. I don't know that they're getting either of them back, you know, on a short week. Maybe they are. Again, I really like the Seahawks in the game, but it's 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 risky. I don't know. I don't hate it. I think I saw Carson's Carson's out. I'm not sure about Penny. And apparently Tyler Lockett's questionable, but he's likely to play. I don't know. It's probably not worth forcing it. I just wanted to throw it out there. We'd have to lock these picks so freaking early to even let's see how the rest of this this unfolds. And if we're if we're struggling to find games, then maybe we can force the Thursday one. And either way, we'll probably all be betting on Seattle tomorrow anyway to make that game fun. Great game as it is probably the Thursday night game of the year so far. Uh, I'll swing it around to you guys then. Uh, Mark, what's your uh, top play this week? Uh, I'm not sure if I have a top play, but I will go with uh, the Jags 10 point dogs at home versus dealers. I feel like this is maybe too sharp this week. I feel like everybody's taking it, but I do like it. Steelers coming off a big win over the Bengals last week. They blow them out. Jags have been competing the last couple of weeks with the, with their new quarterback, whose name I can't say. Doug Marone, 2-1 and one versus Tom, one of the Steelers as Jaguars coach. Um, obviously, there's different teams that he's coached over the years, but not something to keep in mind. Trav, you had thrown out those Steelers numbers when they're, they're uh, big favorites on the road a couple weeks ago when they played Dallas. So I, I, don't, I don't have those exact stats, but I think this is the same same spot in that sense. I, I think it's an interesting spot for the, for the Jags. I think they'll they'll be competitive. The, the over-under is pretty low. I think it's 46.5, so there's some more value on the points here. Curious what you guys think, though. I, I have a lot of games circled this week, and this wasn't necessarily one of them, although I, I think Jacksonville is the right side. So since 2005, home dogs of 10 or more points are 46, 30, and 2 against the spread. So that's a pretty good hit ratio. Uh, I think when we talked about Pittsburgh and Dallas a couple weeks ago, I think if I recall, the stat was that as a road fave over 10 points that Tomlin was 1 and 10 against the spread. So make it 1 and 11 because of the, the Dallas against the spread loss. I don't have a f- great feel for it. I feel like this was kind of the narrative, uh, you know, picking against Pittsburgh a couple weeks ago with Dallas. Uh, I think people were talking about it at the time. No one really played Dallas. It wouldn't surprise me if Jacksonville was relatively popular this week, although, you know, not a consensus pick in the contest. So I, I like it. Uh, I'm intrigued by it. You know, Jacksonville played pretty tough this weekend, but don't forget they benefited from a turn t- TD and felt like Green Bay had some pretty key drops. So um, I kind of wish they just gotten blown out and this line were a little bit higher, but you know, I'd, I'd keep it in the mix. Yeah, I, I knew, Mark, you were going to be on this game because <laughs> you haven't suggested Marone in a while. And I, I just, I, I'd like it, like Trav, I don't love it. I, do, I feel like we, we missed our opportunity to to take the Steelers in one of these classic letdown spots. And then last week was the week to take the Jags. So we're kind of chasing both ends of the, the candle on that one, even though it's the wrong expression to use. I, I'm fine leaving it around. I just, I don't think 10's enough. A rookie quarterback against the best defense in the league is is worrisome. So I, I do think the Steelers will probably sleepwalk through the first half. It's just a matter of of what happens in the rest of the game. And I, I, I will say I love the Jags rookie running back. That guy Robinson is incredible. I'm happy strapping in for him, but the Steelers are very good against the run too. Although they did get 
slashed on the ground by the Ravens, but otherwise they've been pretty good overall. So, I mean, the Steelers are currently seven and two against the spread. Jags are four and five. Maybe some aggression on both sides there, but I, that, that's four fair. and five isn't isn't that bad for a team like the Jags. No, no, it's not. But I, I just feel like teams generally just veered towards like five hundred, saying the Steelers are, are way over five hundred right now. Bets bets yeah. are closer to fifty fifty on this game, which surprised me. But seventy seventy percent of the money is on Pittsburgh, so I was, I guess maybe people liked what Jacksonville did the other day. I don't know. It was even paying attention to that game. I, I really think it's this. Uh, I mean, I don't have any idea, but if the bets are around fifty fifty, I do think that a lot of people are paying attention to this. Tomlin, you know, basically playing to his competition as a huge road fave. You know, you talk about mean regression, Mark one and eleven against the spread in those types of games. There's mean regression coming down the pipe on that one. So. <laughs> Um, but I, again, I, I would keep it in the mix. What do you got, Trav? I don't know. I have a lot of games that I like, don't love. I guess the two at my top of the list, I would take, uh, I'll just give you one. Uh, New Orleans uh, feels kind of scary. They're 17 and 11 against the spread in the division since 2016. Obviously, that's with Breeze, not Jameis. Um, but I looked up Jameis against the Falcons, who he's very familiar with. He's thrown three touchdowns in his nine games, so 25 touchdowns in total, uh, only nine interceptions. He's three and six in those games, which is a bad record. That's straight up, not against the spread. Um, but again, that 25 touchdowns to nine interceptions for Jameis is, is actually very good. The Atlanta defense stinks. They're worst in the league in opponents' yards per play at six and a half. Uh, New Orleans is fourth overall at 5.1 yards per play. Atlanta's off a of bye, so that kind of scares me a little bit and they're three and zero against the spread on the road so two red flags there i could see passing on it ultimately but i like the value here i don't know what the look ahead line was with breeze but you know they're going to mix Taysom in enough and i, I think Jameis, you know everyone's going to be ready to to go against them and i, I kind of people would be willing to fly with them yeah i agree i i think the look ahead was closer to seven um so you are getting some value there and i i don't know if the downgrade from breeze to the Winston Taysom Hill combo is even anything at all. I, th- I thought Jameis looked pretty good. He looked pretty composed. He does have LASIK now, so maybe the interceptions will stop. I was going to make a point just about Atlanta going on the road after a bye, and similarly the Jets, if we want to talk about them later, like bad teams going on byes late in the year. I don't know if that's necessarily a thing to be scared of because I feel like when you're bad and you go away, you're not even like focused on the season. You're just like, oh man, I'm, thank God I'm away from that mess for a little while. And coming back, maybe even makes it harder to to ramp up and get ready to try and win a game again. I don't know. That's just my out-of-the-box thinking there. Mark, what do you think about this game? Yeah, uh, I actually had Atlanta circled um, actually pretty high on my list. So I, I think we're just on different sides this week. Raheem Morris just kind of did a deep dive on him. Three and one against the spread off a of bye. I just feel like it's like a big rivalry. And if he uh, is going to want to keep his job, like it went over the Saints, is going to go a long way to kind of making him the permanent coach in Atlanta. Like, went back because uh, when he coached the Bucs, he was in the same division. Uh, he's three and three all time versus Sean Payton. I, don't, I, I didn't think. Jameis Winston looked that good last week. I know he like you know they didn't game plan for him, but I feel like he almost threw a couple picks. I I, I kind of liked Atlanta getting the points, but understand that maybe that's the more popular side. So I was curious because I went and uh, I was curious if Raheem had coached Jameis. I didn't remember like when that all happened. I couldn't believe I may have the years slightly off here, but I thought he was the coach at, in Tampa in like 2009 to 2011. I mean he's like 44 years old. So if you go back 10 years, I mean he was like a 35 year old head coach. Which is just crazy to me. It has nothing no, nothing at all to do with this game, but I was just, uh, totally I couldn't crazy. believe how young he was. Yeah, totally crazy. And I think he, only Wayne Kiffin was like a younger coach uh, than he was. Um, right. I, don't, I mean, I just feel like it's going to be a competitive game. I mean, I, I don't see the, the Falcons laying down. I mean, it's such a big rivalry, like over the years especially. I feel like both teams get up for it. I, I go back in these games, I don't think that, Atlanta Atlanta's obviously been bad and you can have questions about Jameis, but you know, two things that are going to be consistent here, the Atlanta defense, which has been terrible and the New Orleans defense, which has actually been pretty good. I, I could totally stay away. Mark, you could even probably convince me at some point to get on the Atlanta side, but I just don't want to overlook, uh, you know, the defensive differential here. All right. I'm fine staying away too. I don't, I don't think I'm going to flip to Atlanta. I got nothing else to say about that game. I do think Michael, Tom- <laughs> I think Michael Thomas will be better with Jameis than he was with Breeze, but that remains to be seen. Let me see what I got here. I, I did have New Orleans pretty high, but my number two would be to go back to Lake Erie, Windy Lake Erie, where we've been most of the season, and uh, actually go the other way and take the Philadelphia Eagles getting three and a half points off a dreadful performance uh, against the Giants. Doug Peterson's been terrible off a of bye, so that necessarily wasn't shocking to me. They are healthy. They do have a lot of their guys back. 
Um, I was not impressed with what the Browns did on Sunday against the Texans. They can run the ball, but I feel like Philly uh, defense is okay, and they should be able to pressure Baker and force him into some mistakes in uh, the weather. And uh, I like the Eagles running game. Boston Scott, Miles Sanders each seem to get things going on the ground. So if the elements present a problem, I kind of like that. And uh, the pressure's on now for Philly. You know, the Giants are right on their tails and they need these games. And I like them getting the uh, hook. What do you guys think, Trav? You in on the Eagles? Um, I had them originally circled. I took it off and I, I'm not on the Browns. I mean, the liquid line was inexplicably one and a half. So if you take any, put any stock in that, uh, you know, Philly, you're getting good value here. Cleveland hasn't been pretty, but they are still six and three, and their only losses have been to Baltimore, Pittsburgh, and Las Vegas. So, you know, those are all teams that are going to be in the playoffs in the AFC. So I, I just I don't think they're that bad. Um, the weather is supposed to be ugly this weekend, so I think that benefits Cleveland in the running game. You know, you you made some points about the Philly running attack, and that's probably fair. But you know, when Teller plays on the Cleveland offensive line, they run the ball really well. He came back last weekend with Chubb, and they ran the ball really well. Um, so I think that could favor Cleveland to some degree. And then, you know, the NFC East is obviously terrible, but Cleveland, you know, did beat up both the the football team and the Cowboys so far this year, 34-20 and 49-38. So mm. um, I like it, don't love it. There are other games I like more. Do, do we know who tested positive or was on the COVID list that, that shut down the Browns facility? Is it is it just those three guys that we were, we were talking about? Cody Parker, Jack Conklin, and the snapper? Yeah, yeah I think so. I didn't, I didn't really think about this game much, um, but I, I kind of like it in the sense that it just seems like it's going to be unique. Um, I'm not sure if I trust Philly, especially once with a, a windy atmosphere. I can just see balls sailing all over the place, but uh, yeah. I'm, sure, I'm sure it'll be a unique pick. And, and you know, Cleveland has won ugly the entire year, so I don't know why they would change. How many times is Cleveland going to be a three-and-a-half-point favorite at home? <laughs> it's crazy. Luckily, like, like the contest, we've gotten them at three a couple of times, and they've pushed for us twice. But for most of the general public, it's been three-and-a-half, and they haven't covered those spreads in, like, the most heartbreaking of fashion. So... In that sense, I am a little wary. They're they're due to to maybe have a clean cover at home in one of these games, and they have done well against some bad teams this year. And I would include Philly in the bad team bucket. So I'm fine to stay away. I I, I struggled finding dogs this week, so that was one that stood out to me. Um, Mark, do you have any dogs that you like? You're usually along with Jacksonville. You're on the dog train. There's only two other games I, I like from a dog perspective. I don't know if you want to talk about both of them. I don't really have strong cases either way. Like Carolina, of course. Well, oh, they're a favorite. What am I talking about? Uh, Dallas is the only other dog I liked, I think. Um, so what are they in the contest? Uh, seven? Seven, yeah. Chalk to read this, but uh, Mike McCarthy, 10-2 and two against the spread off a of bye. That, that blew me away. Part of me just thinks people are also going to be off Minnesota after that like ugly win, so I'm not sure if I love this game as much. But it sounds like Andy Dalton's going to be back, so maybe this, this Dallas team will be more competitive. Um, their offensive line's getting healthy. Seems like Good amount of points for maybe not as bad cowboy team that everybody thinks thinks they are. What do you guys think? Yeah, I agree with the sentiment. I just think the value's gone. I don't understand how this this line opened at nine and a half and now it's seven. So I think I would have loved Dallas closer to ten, but not so much anymore. Did, did it move because of Dalton or or is that just you think money <laughs> rolling no, in? He on, can't be worth two and a half points. Yeah, I don't know. I think money's just Dalton, rolling in on the Cowboys. Dalton versus Gilbert's not worth two and a half points. You don't think? Uh, I don't know. I mean, Gilbert Dallas kept him in the in the Steelers game. Yeah, but Dallas, he, he was, is, uh, Dallas is getting sixty three percent of the bets and seventy six percent of the money. So it almost makes me want to go the other way because I I think that kid Jefferson on Minnesota is incredible. Him and Thielen are going to have a field day with that Dallas secondary, and Kirk Cousins is good when he he's not pressured. And I don't know who on Dallas is pressuring him. That defense is still going to be awful no matter what the buy did. Maybe their offense will be better and they'll they'll figure out how to get their weapons involved and get Zeke going, but. It's a terrible game. <laughs> the, I'm, I'm a little bit wary that I believe a week ago we were sitting here saying we would never take the NFC East again. And this is the second game out of five that we discussed with, with an NFC East team. Yeah, uh, the, I, you know, the only I, I, I'm intrigued. I don't I don't think I like it that much because I, I don't see the value. You know, with the McCarthy 10 and two against the spread off a of buy is very interesting. But it's like these Belichick stats, like they're all intertwined with, you know, the quarterback. So, yeah, yeah. McCarthy's 10 and two off a of buy because he had Rodgers. You know, I'd be curious to look back what is against the spread record is against Minnesota because obviously he's played him twice a year for the last decade or whatever. Um, I did not look that up, but it would be uh, interesting to see. Vikings six and three against the spread this year. Dallas one and eight. Just just yeah. giving you the stats. I think the Vikings are kind of good. They just got off to a really shitty, shitty start, but their DVOA number is pretty high. They're in the top 14. I, I agree. I, I think they're a good team. 
Like, there's a chance to make the playoffs, right? Has to be. Uh, yeah, definitely. There's their special teams is, is atrocious, but that's that might not matter. Yeah, that long snapper, that poor kid. I mean, they were making this, you know, they they did the whole salute to service with him being from the Air Force Academy, which is a nice story. <laughs> and then, you know, first of all, the kid's a long snapper and he looks like he weighs about 130 pounds. You know, he's in this uniform <laughs> and he's like just a neck and a head and like no body. And it's like, you know, how does he stand in there and try and oh, whatever? I know. Didn't, yeah, didn't Minnesota. Over. 13 overall in DVOA, 10 offense, 10 defense, and 30 special teams. So yeah. I, I think that's a stay away. Um, Trav, what do you got? You got anything All right, you so like? I still got a, a couple games that I, I like, but here's my dog one would be a home dog, and you guys are going to kill me. But Denver plus three and a half against Miami. Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I, this is, I, I made the case a few weeks ago that I, I truly believe that the Broncos offense is actually better without Locke. He's week to week with a rib injury. I'm under the assumption here that he's not going to play. In the seven games he's played, he's thrown seven touchdowns. In the two games that Driscoll and Rippon have played, they've thrown five collectively. So if he doesn't play, I'm going to be interested. Miami's very good, obviously, but they've won five in a row, and I think it's a good time to fade them and their rookie QB on the road here in the altitude. Um, the thing that worries me is the turnover differential. Miami's top five in takeaways and Denver's bottom 10. Uh, Denver also is worse than the league in giveaways, but you know that was includes five giveaways last weekend. I don't expect that to recur. Miami's seven and two against the spread and hasn't been a road favorite since 2017 when they were five and a half point faves against the Jets and lost 20 to six. So, you know, this is a position that they haven't been in. It's a rookie QB on the road at altitude. I, I know it's 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 vomit inducing and I've been totally against the Broncos. If Locke doesn't play, I would be very interested. I'm still in shock. Oh man. That game was painful, huh? The the Broncos game. They're so bad. But I do I mean, I stopped fighting it. <laughs> I know. I, I feel like Travis like had good calls in terms of buying teams at the right time, like the Dallas call from a couple weeks ago sticks out. Yeah. This just seems like a, a good good spot to maybe buy Denver. Okay. And it, it, it getting the hook at home, I mean, is a big thing to me. You yeah. Know? Yeah. It, well, it's not like like the Dolphins blow out teams either necessarily. Um, yeah. unless they can keep up this fluky you know, block punt touchdown, interception touchdown thing. Uh, the one thing I wrote down was last week was very frustrating. Having Locke, Foles, Mullins, even Baker and Goff to some extent. And so far, the two games we like are Luke Futon and and who knows, the poo-poo <laughs> platter of Broncos quarterbacks. Jameis. <laughs> Jameis. No, not really. You're right, but I mean, we can't sit here and say we're the home dogs podcast and we want to think about home dogs and then be like, mm -hmm. oh, well, but we can't take bad quarterbacks either. This is this is what you sign up for. <laughs> okay, I, I'm willing it's not to the consider, life we choose. I'm willing to consider Denver. I do think the defense like played well in that first half against Oakland, and the interceptions just became too much to over to overcome because Locke kept putting the defense in, in bad spots. And Locke threw an interception in the end zone right at the end of the first half. They're about to get the ball. Then he threw another interception, and then he threw another one in the fourth. So that game could have flipped pretty quickly. Lindsey and Gordon played well. Judy looks awesome. So Miami is due for a fade. That is for sure. But it's pretty damn scary. 60% of the bets are on Miami. 92% of the money's on Miami. I think this line will get even higher as we get closer to the game, which will suck. But a lot of the lines have been moving in our favor the last few weeks, and that doesn't seem to matter. So I'm not sure we should be scared. All right, we'll keep it in. I'm going to throw out one home dog for you guys that I like um, with a good quarterback and a really shitty team, but a good quarterback, and that is the Houston Texans getting one and a half points at home against the Patriots. I don't buy the Patriots. I think they, they won a game because it was wet and wild and the Ravens are really struggling. They have no offensive line. I don't know what's going on with Baltimore right now, but I do not think that New England is good. I don't want to get fooled. Jacoby Myers is not a great NFL receiver and Watson will have his way with that defense, which I think is still really, really bad. And the elements just kind of covered it up. I, I'm guessing you guys don't want to take this, Trav. Do you want to go against Belichick? I'm willing to. I mean, Houston's three and six against the spread as a home dog in the last three or four years. So I don't love that. But I do kind of like them in the game. I mean, the look ahead was Houston minus two and a half. So getting plus one and a half now is an enormous flip based on, you know, the way New England looked against Baltimore. You know, you say the offensive line for New England isn't good. They looked awfully good the other night, but I, I don't disagree. I mean, to me, New England's more the team that lost to Denver with six field goals and, you know, has looked bad the last couple of weeks. I would consider Houston, but I, I, I don't want to be greedy, but I wish we were getting more than one and a half points. I agree. I do agree there. Yeah. It's it, Romeo it's, it's, against Bill. 
Yeah, I was gonna say it's hard to stomach that that coaching mismatch. <laughs> yeah, Romeo knows Bill. Bill's got a chance at the playoffs. Maybe Romeo's not even gonna want to take one away from him here. I don't know. Romeo's getting buzzed that he could be coming back next year. I mean, heck. <laughs> I, I read that article. I actually thought the the logic somewhat made sense. Did, did you? I think you sent that around, Trav. Right? That article, like why they're considering Romeo. I may have, if I sent it around, I didn't read it. <laughs> yeah, I didn't read it either. <laughs> no, I, I just, well, I skimmed it. Uh, it was basically saying that this year it's kind of tough to hire a new coach because you haven't been able to maybe evaluate how all these college or, uh, you know, all these other teams are doing like with the, with the virus going on. And you might not be able to like interview them in person and really get to know somebody. Um, so maybe I'll just ride with Romeo for one more year. I mean, I'm not saying I agree with it. I just... I didn't think it was like the worst idea. No, it's not crazy. I mean, look, this is a franchise that stuck with Bill O'Brien for four years too long. So this wouldn't be the craziest thing (laughs) they've ever done. Oh, oh, another thing they were saying that was that uh, the Texans like don't have like first round picks for like the next year. So like a no, no, like smart candidates going to join that team with with, without those first round picks (laughs) in place, which also made sense to me. Yeah. yeah. These aren't compelling cases for wanting to take the Texans this week. <laughs> Just thinking about how the organization is dealing with things right now. Uh, all right. Fine. Forget that. Let's talk about the game that we know we want to talk about. The game of the week on Sunday, at least. I think we're going to be on different sides here. Packers, Colts. I think I like the Packers, but I'm guessing you guys like the Colts. So, uh Tell me why. It's one and a half in the contest in uh, Indy's favorite. Uh, yeah, you got me correct. I like Indy better. I, I just think Green Bay has been pretty unimpressive uh, this entire season. Um, I think their their only big win was really over the Saints. Otherwise, they've blown up bad teams. I don't think their defense is very good. I think the Colts will have their way. And then I, I do think the Colts' defense is, is very good. So I think they can keep the, the backers relatively in check. So I, I would just lean, lean Indy. Yeah, I had Indy circled. This is exactly the kind of team that I think we said last week that Green Bay is going to lose to in the playoffs because it's got a great defense. You know, Rivers is very scary, so I, I kind of hesitate here. I really want to be ballsy and you know be all in on the Colts, but Rivers is a little bit frightening. Indy's second in the league in total defense yards per play. Uh, Tampa's the number three defense in the league, and they held Green Bay to 10 points, the only defense to hold Green Bay to less than 21 points. Green Bay outside that Tampa game's averaged over 33 points, but that's against really not great defenses. So the, fir- the only test they've had against a really good defense like Indy has, they did absolutely nothing. Uh, Indy's off the Thursday night game, so they have a little bit of extra rest. I wish that Green Bay had destroyed Jacksonville, and this line was even more favorable for Indy. Again, that and Rivers holds me back a little bit, but you get the extra rest component. I don't know. I, I am on the other side of it, Mike. That's fine. I, I figured that was going to be the case. I just think the Packers' offense is getting healthy. Bakhtiari's back and playing well. Just got a contract extension. Alan Lazard's coming back this week, so they finally have their full complement of receivers, which I don't think should be overlooked because I think, actually, the Lazard, Valdez, Scantling, Devontae Adams trio is pretty damn good. And I, I don't. I think the Packers' defense actually gets after the quarterback. They may not be a great defense, but they do hit quarterbacks, and that's what makes me wary of wanting to flip and, and take rivers in this game. Cause I just think he's due for some bonehead turnovers in this game. So yeah. I, I'm fine. I'm fine to just sit it out. It's going to be a good game to watch. I just wanted to, to confirm that no one else wanted to take the Packers. I, I don't know what the status of their cornerbacks are this week, but, but both the Packers starting cornerbacks were, were out last week. If that's the case this week. I, I feel like I'd, I'd really like Indy. Indy's offense is not good. Like they might've looked good in that Thursday game. And I think cause the Titans defense is very, very bad, but T.Y. Hilton's completely non-existent. I don't know if Zach Pascal and Michael Pittman are scaring you. They can't really run the ball. So their inability to maybe score against better teams is what worries me a little bit, too. I I don't think Green Bay's defense is that good. But I I don't disagree with you. I mean, at the end of the day, I mean, this is a... This is going to sound like a crazy comparison, but it's like the Bears in the sense they have a a great defense, legitimately great defense, and the offense just isn't really there. And the Bears are obviously worse than that. Yeah, I feel like the Indy offense is like average. And yeah. They're, they're not nearly as bad as the Bears. Um, and they have a really good defense. Um, I'm fine to stay away, but would definitely lean Indy. Okay. Those Packers corners, one, Kevin King was full participation already on Wednesday. And then the other two were limited today, uh, Jair Alexander and Kadar Holman. So it sounds like their defense is getting healthy and they probably just held those, guy out, those guys out because they were playing the Jags. We're struggling. We might be going back to Seahawks. <laughs> I, got, I got a couple more if anyone else 
those ones. I got I, I have some too, but um, okay. it doesn't seem like we really love anything. So what else you got? I think the next one on my list, I got two maybe that would be up there again. But but the next one would be the Rams on Monday night. Uh, it's a Steve Levy game, which I don't love. They're getting four points in Tampa. Two great defenses. The Rams, number one in the league. Tampa, number three in the league, depending on what stats you look at. Uh, but Tampa's losses have been to New Orleans and Chicago, who are both top eight defenses. So that may be a red flag that they they struggle with these kinds of defenses like the Rams have. They really haven't beaten a great defense yet. That's kind of the whole thesis, honestly. Uh, the issue I have is if the Rams get down, the offense just hasn't been explosive. I know they fought back against Buffalo that week early in the season, but they're only 19th in the league, scoring 24 points a game. They've scored 21 points in the last three games on average. So that's worrisome, but I think the defense is good enough where this is going to be a low-scoring game. You know, 21-17, which obviously is just a push or something in that neighborhood. Yeah, I've gone back and forth on this one because on one hand, I, I agree with most of what you said, and I, I do lean the Rams, but the, the Whitworth injury really sucks because I think yeah. Goff, Goff is terrible when he gets pressured and Bowles is going to blitz the shit out of him because he yeah. does that to everybody. And it, once he starts getting hit, we saw in the Miami game, he's just like completely useless. So it's fair. But I do think the bedtime Brady angle could be real. You know, Brady goes to bed at 8.30 and this game starts at 8.15. But we did read that the Bucks were moving their practices to nighttime this week. So who knows what's going on with uh, Brady's sleep patterns and how he's adjusting and, and where he's moved the <laughs> clock around. So <laughs> he's yeah, going to entertain these comments with a reaction. <laughs> I, I wanted to look aside here and I, could, I couldn't figure out which one either. I was thinking back to, I don't know if you guys remember the game last year when these two teams played. Um, this is crazy game in LA where the Bucks won 55, 40 cough through like three picks and fumbled. Um, so I don't know if that's just like him going up against the bulls, bulls D it's just a bad spot, but I do kind of like the underdog getting points, especially the Bucks coming off like a blowout win. Um, so I, I keep going back and th- if one of you guys were, were passionate about the the Bucks here, then I, I can get on board. Or the, the Rams here, I would get on board. Yeah, I don't think I'm passionate about it, but I do like it. It's the best team, I think, that's getting points this week. That's for sure. For sure. Like all-around team. So that's compelling. And I, I don't even think Brady played that well against the Panthers this path, past week, even though they won big. That game was very weird. And who knows what's going on with Antonio Brown. Maybe he's going to get suspended again. I don't know. I can't keep up with his off-the-field hijinks. <clears throat> yeah, and if we're saying, like, home field advantage doesn't mean anything, like, and they're getting four points, like, it's a, it's a lot. Lots a lot, I feel like. This is and the Rams, like, ninth trip to the East Coast already this year. It's yeah. crazy. Yeah, but at least this one's on a Monday, so it's not like, you know, you have a shortened week or anything, and it's an 8.30 yeah. game, so it's 5.30 their time. All right. I, I would keep that in the mix. Yeah. What about the uh, the uh, game preceding it on Sunday night? I think we all kind of like the Chiefs, but now that we've seen that the, the Super Contest line has settled at a KC by 7.5, report today that the entire Raiders defense has been deemed a close contact for COVID. So who knows what the hell happens, but from all accounts, they're still going to play this game no matter what. So I love the Chiefs at 6 and 6.5 and where it was on Sunday night. Now it's up to 7.5. Probably because of this news, I still like angry Andy Reid off a bye. He was mad that the Raiders were taking victory laps in their buses when they wanted Arrowhead earlier this year. Uh, It's tough to swallow that hook. And yeah, divisional game, Raiders usually play them tough. So I don't know. Chad, what do you think? Yeah, I just I struggle seeing Las Vegas beating them twice in a year. But again, with seven and a half points, they don't have to win. Kansas City six and three is a road favorite in the last year and a half. Uh, but again, the seven and a half is bugging me. So I, I, I like the Chiefs, but I, I think we keep it in the mix purely because of the COVID angle. I mean, if we find out on Friday night or Saturday morning that the Vegas defense is down 14 guys, you know, I think you have to take it. Uh, yeah, the Chiefs are also facing some COVID issues, right? Like along their offensive line. Like yes. Fisher and uh, and Schwartz and Schwartz yeah. and and Michael Hardman. So okay, I mean, there's just so many unknowns right now. It's like impossible. Agreed, Travis. Like if, if we do find out that the the Vegas defense can be down, like a lot of key guys, then yeah, I, I think we we should take the Chiefs, even though it'll be like consensus. Eddie Raid off a bye, seventeen and seven against the spread. Just got a nice contract extension this week too. I got I got nothing left. I I sort of had the, a pencil check mark next to the chargers just on the fear pure uh, aspect of, of going against the jets because i had nothing better and i feel like the number is high and will scare people off and the jets are actually getting a majority of the bets and the money right now so anthony lynn has, has been really bad and the chargers have been bad and 
they are getting Eckler back this week, which is something, and they're getting Bosa back, which I did like. I did like the thought of Bosa going against uh, a Joe Flacco, who's just going to stand back there like a statue and get crushed. And I just think it would be a unique big faith to take. I don't know what the Jets are playing for, but I'll, I will say that the the trio of Perriman, Crowder, and and Mims look pretty good on that Monday night game against the Pats. I, I like the Chargers. I think I think it's definitely the right side. I feel like people will be scared off. Um, I think they the Chargers played the Jags at home a few weeks ago, and the number was even higher. Is it eight in the contest? Is that what it is? Eight and a half. Yeah, I think I think when they played the the Jags a few weeks ago, it was like nine or nine and a half. I don't know. I, I feel like people are totally overrating that performance from the Jets on Monday night a few weeks ago. Um, that was like their Super Bowl, I imagine, of the season. Again, Bosa against the Jets' offensive line. It's a really good matchup uh, for the Chargers. And then you have the defense, which you know they're cutting guys. They're some guys are out. They're playing all these young guys. Like it, it's going to be a mess. So I imagine the Chargers are going to put up a ton of points. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm intrigued. You can see uh, Justin Herbert get that that haircut. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. Didn't look good. I don't know what to make of that. <laughs> no, I like the longer hair better. Looked terrible. Trav, yeah. what do you think about this game? Um, originally, I had a light circle on the Jets, but I took it off because of mostly the reasons you're saying. I mean, I actually, I know we said a couple weeks ago you were more interested in the Jets with uh, or going against Darnold than Flacco, but if Jar- if Darnold was going to play, it's like a homecoming game for him. I was kind of interested in the Jets. Obviously, he's not going to play. I could see eight and a half with the with the Chargers. Just seems like an awful lot of points for the Chargers, who again their only wins yeah. are Jacksonville and, and Cincinnati. But um, you know this Jets team's a different animal. So and, and Gase on the road has been like atrocious. Yeah, uh, I don't I don't have the full stats in front of me, but I, I don't think they well they yeah, they haven't been within a touchdown in any game outside of the Pats game this year. So I could definitely see this as like the game that pays off for the Chargers, where it's like you know early in the year they played well against good teams and lost. And then they've played a, a a lot of good teams, actually. And this is the one where it's like it all comes flooding through and they win like 31 nothing, And everyone's like, oh, see, so told you the, the Chargers weren't that bad. Yeah. And, and I think the Jags game was even more misleading. They did end up covering that game. But they also I think the Jags blocked a punt and returned it for a touchdown to kind of flip things for a little bit before they they showed them who was boss. So. I do think they have the ability to blow out bad teams. And I, and I think when you have Herbert just slinging, he's not going to stop. Yeah, I, I'm interested. Adam Gase is somehow three and one against the spread off a of bye. Uh, I don't know how, but I don't. I don't I didn't know he had won three games. So, <laughs> well, it doesn't have to. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> the only other game I have, and I circle them every every week, is the the Panthers. But it's not a strong lean. I don't think we even know who's starting for for either team. So. <laughs> Yeah, I had them originally circled, but I, I just don't really have a feel in the end. I think Detroit's actually sneaky okay, despite their terrible coach. This feels like one of these weird Detroit games that's like close at the end. I don't yeah. know which way it ends up going, so I I, I didn't t- take a side. Yeah, yeah. Washington-Cincinnati, I, I don't know about that slop fest. I guess it could be time to buy low on Burrow, and, and Washington looked kind of frisky last week. People are starting to say that Alex Smith is back because he— tied the game against the Lions and then lost. At least that's what Ron Rivera said. I wish the Bengals were getting three and not just one and a half because I don't necessarily trust them to go on the road and win that game. And the only other game left is uh, Tennessee-Baltimore, which... Yeah, well, that's one. I, I did have Tennessee circled. 64% of the bets, only 58% of the money, at least last time I checked, so not great for Tennessee. Uh, Baltimore off a loss going against them. I don't love that, but these are two good rushing teams. As you know, they both average around five yards a carry. Uh, Tennessee's not a great rush, rushing defense, but neither was New England, uh, and frankly, neither is Baltimore. So I would lean Tennessee with the points. I don't feel overly strongly about it. Tennessee did play Thursday, so they have a little bit of extra rest advantage. Um, and then the big thing for me on Baltimore is the injury situation. So losing Boyle at tight end is going to be an issue, I think, in the rushing game because he's a really good blocking tight end. So that's kind of a red flag. And then if Brandon Williams is out, and I don't know, Campbell sounds like he's 50-50 to play. Um, but that's two big guys on that defensive line that if they're going to be down, you know, Henry's going to be able to be a little bit more productive than I think otherwise he would be. So I think those are pretty big losses on the defensive line against Henry. But I know Tennessee defense thinks I get it, but getting six and a half points here. Uh, I wish it was the full seven. Um, but again, those injuries for Baltimore made my ears perk up a little bit on on the Titans. That's a pretty compelling case. Uh, I'm pretty intrigued. I didn't really think about this game. But yeah, you're right. Tennessee with the extended rest is, is interesting. And those injuries are obviously very important. And they, and they played last year. Titans Titans went into Baltimore in that playoff game and won. I know teams are a little bit different now. But maybe Rabel just knows how to coach against this this type of offense. 
Yeah, I, I would think I was originally just too focused on the fact that this is going to be a revenge game for Harbaugh and Lamar Jackson, and, and they're going to be so mad about what happened in the playoffs. But maybe because they've struggled so much, they have bigger worries than to even be thinking about that right now. They need to just figure out how to turn their season around. So I don't like fading the Ravens off of and Harbaugh off of a primetime dud like that, but I guess we're doing Tennessee's coming off the same exact thing. So I guess yeah. I, I would grab the points. Baltimore doesn't deserve to be favored against anybody this big right now, especially a team that could score the way Tennessee can. The Titans are one and three straight up in their last four. So I think it, it you know, this is a team that went five and zero early against the not great schedule. Um, but they were very good last year, as we know. I mean, they went to the AFC championship game. They started off this year five and zero. They're one and three in their last four. So maybe it's a good time to buy a team that's got a little bit more of a pedigree than we we give them credit for. It's pretty crazy. Baltimore's offense is 24th in DVOA. It's, it's like wretched. Shocking. We played them and it worked out a little bit early in the season. But even in those games, we were like, something's not right here. Yeah, and we got burned against that in that Eagles game. Yeah, right. Fuck. They when they let them come back, something's See, definitely not right. Earlier this year, when we we're like, who would you rather take for the next ten years, Kyler or Lamar? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I feel like, like I would totally take Kyler now, right? I think you said yeah. it at the time. I think you may be right. Did I say that? Yeah. 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 I don't even think it's close right now. I, I still, I've, I've said it on a few pods. It just like they, they forced the pass with Lamar so much. They even did it in the rain, and like it just doesn't work. Like when he's back there and like committing to pass and not creating with his legs, he's just he misses on at least two of every four throws. It's not good. I, I don't want to like diminish him, but I feel like he's like a glorified Taysom Hill. That's like too harsh, but wow, that's. <laughs> I know he won NFL MVP last last year, but maybe we shouldn't like overlook or underrate the impact of Baltimore's offensive line changes too. Like I know it's been a couple years now since Yanda left, but like with the injury, you know, left tackle and then having to move everything around a little bit, like this offensive line, that's why I say at this point, losing Boyle is like a big problem. Yeah. Yeah. I'm just looking at what we have here and that's the most compelling case for Podlock of anything we've discussed so far. I don't know how you guys feel. Yeah. I actually can, can think Seattle, go, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> can we just go through the list again? Yeah, so... I, I feel like I'm, I'm like all over the map this week. Yeah, I, I'm excluding New Orleans and Dallas. I don't even know if we want to put Philly in here, but I, I will for purposes of this. So Seattle, Jacksonville, Denver, Kansas City, Houston, both Los Angeles teams, Tennessee, and Philly. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like Tennessee, the, the Rams, the Chargers, kind of high on my list. I'd probably be willing to get rid of Houston and Philly right now. I, I know I threw them both out, but I, I hate them looking at that list. Houston feels a little tight at one and a half. Yeah, that's out. I'm not taking Romeo against Bill. Nah. And I think Doug Peterson is not a good coach. Is that like, did he just get bailed out by having great coordinators and a, and a magical Super Bowl run and he called the stupid Philly special? But I, I, maybe this guy isn't that good. I mean, I think he's he's okay. I feel like it's like two sides of the like I like Schwartz as a defensive coordinator. I think there's some value on that line, but I, I don't need to force that. I think Wentz just stinks. I mean, I, I'm okay yeah. with three and a half. Like I wouldn't I actually would wouldn't mind keeping Philly in the mix because we're gonna be pretty tight on games here. But when you're asking about uh, Peterson, I think it's less Peterson and more more Wentz. Yeah. I mean, I think Wentz is a disaster. You know, they won the Super Bowl without him, and it was like, oh wow, what a great story for Nick Foles, and now it's. You know, when you look back on it, it's like, hey, maybe maybe he was the fucking problem. If we wanted to, and I'm not saying we should, but just force Thursday to take Seattle, is there four other games that we could lock now, or is that totally unrealistic? Honestly, if I, if we were to do that, Seattle, Tennessee, Denver, Chargers, and the Rams, that's at least where I think I would end up on my five, and uh, I'd probably be okay with that. That Denver game I know is scary. I get it. We don't know who's starting that game, right? Yeah, True. it's yeah. kind of hard to lock Denver not knowing their quarterback. Yeah, <laughs> no, that's that's true. I do like taking one of Denver and Jacksonville, and I don't know if I've had time to like vet out who I actually want to take. We'd have to decide by 3 p.m. Eastern on Thursday, all five of these games, if we want to take Seattle. I don't know if there's even value in the line. Like there is value in the sense that it came down from five and a half, but two good division teams, it, it should be the home team getting three, right? Yeah, you're probably right. I, I just think it's it's a letdown spot for the cards after that Hail Mary finish last week. Mm, we can always just bet on it, though, too. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we might we might not need to force this this week. I don't know, I just get excited. <laughs> you, you just want to get off the schneid after having a bad week, and especially a yeah. Monday night loss. It's still just I know, but if they lose, that. then it's three days of pain. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, that is like, I mean, we, sh- we shouldn't understate, like, that's a 
very bad defense against an offense has been very good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I think maybe we, the smart room is to pass. And and it's still like, I know I was ranting that the NFL is going to play these games, but like, what if like golf <laughs> gets a contact tracing on or Aaron Donald gets contact tracing on Sunday, you know, and can't play. So, yeah, yeah, it's, it's a smart thing not, not yeah. to do it. All this right. is the points. I just want to run through the points that the Seahawks have given up this year. 25, 30, 31, 23, 26. And those are all in fucking wins in losses. <laughs> Then they lost 37 points they gave up to Arizona last time. 27 points to San Francisco, who I don't think has scored that many points since. Gave up 44 points to the Bills. And then 23 oh. to the Rams, which was okay. But like that defense is, it is yeah. a little scary. Okay. Yeah. All right. Let's forget it. We'll take it all personally. Everyone go out there and bet Seattle and have fun watching that game. Should be a good one. So then we're looking at Los Angeles, Los Angeles, Kansas City, Denver, Jacksonville, Philly. And then we... I'm ready to say Tennessee Podlock. That was the most like perked up I got when anyone started talking about a game. So <laughs> let's do it. I'm in on it, Trav. Yeah, lock it up. You better lock it up. You better lock it up. No, you lock it up. You lock it up. Lock it up. Lock it up. All right, announcers. You got our list. Podcastpicks.co on Sunday. Hopefully, we'll be updated, Mark. And uh, check out our picks. No, you were traveling this week, so so no biggie. But did get some demand asking for the picks. And you can uh, see up there now where we are and where everybody else ranks. But announcers this week, I think pretty clear. Well, I don't know. Is Mark, can you tell me, does, is that Green Bay Colts game on Fox or CBS? Pull it up. That is on Fox. So that is that Buck and Aikman? That's Buck and Aikman. That's nice. Nance and, Sin- and Romo. I always want to say Sims. Trav, you got a guess for CBS? I would. It's got to be Tennessee Baltimore. That's a pretty good game. On the, in the, this slate this week, that's a pretty good game. It's the podwalk. You're right. Wow. Okay, we get Tony. That money-grubbing whore, Jim Nance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Tell him I said it. that. I mean, Jim Nance asking for Tony Romo money, who makes $17.5 million a year. That was a stupid contract in the first place. I don't know why CBS would have to go out and give out another stupid contract, but Nance already said he wants to host the Masters till he's like 87. So, <laughs> What year... Great. We should look this up as a side uh, <laughs> trivia. What year do you think Nance called his first Masters? I would say uh, like 94. I, I feel like it, it's a little earlier than that. I want to say like, ni- is it possibly in the 80s? It is in the 80s. But like if CBS were to get rid of Nance and let's say put Ian Eagle in, in all of his roles, is anyone watching them less because he's the voice of March Madness, the Masters and <sighs> NFL? You're not watching him at less, but I don't know. There's there's something that's different with Ian Eagle as opposed to Jim Nance doing those some of those events. I feel like, especially the Masters. I, I don't know. Don't you agree? He's, yeah. he's almost like become the thing at, at this point. He has it, become the Masters, but he still annoys me to no end that he does the Masters. Like he takes it so freaking seriously and treats it like we're in this like <laughs> famous cathedral. Yeah, well, we are a little bit, but don't forget, too. I mean, we forget it this year, but I mean, March Madness is like that's his other big thing. Mm -hmm. So and honestly, I don't know, you like Eagle couldn't do golf. Bob Papa could do golf if you wanted him to. He does the Masters on the radio and it is a senior tour. How is he on the radio doing golf? Uh, He does a lot of whispering. (laughs) He's much less sarcastic than when he calls the Giants games on the radio because he hates the Giants as much as I do. Yeah, Um, which that's always refreshing to hear. I was in the car a fair amount last weekend on uh, Friday and Saturday, and I listened to the Masters on PGA Tour radio, and listening to golf on the radio is the absolute worst. It's so <laughs> stupid. It's a lot of, you know, he lines up for a four-foot yeah. putt, the, pulls the putter back, it's on its way, it cuts yeah. to the left, turns right, moves downhill, oh, it's just off by a foot and a half. It's like it was a four-foot putt. <laughs> we just... I, I could sound that seem like that, that'd be like very soothing to hear that. No, it's too it, much talking. like therapy in a sense. It's way too much talking. Yeah, there's there's a lady then now we're fully off the rails so we can cut all this out. But named Maureen Medill, who calls the British Open on the radio. So I used to drive up to Newport the weekend of the British Open and I would listen to it on the radio because it starts crazy early in the morning here. And she does the the British Open and she's this Irish lady and she's got the world's best voice. But the way she describes these holes and like shots is freaking hysterical. She, oh, he's in a little bit of trouble over there in the burn. <laughs> uh, that was a very exploratory shot or whatever. Like, it's just crazy shit. It's so fun to listen to. That sounds great. Golf announcers are hilarious. Good. To, it was good to hear Vern at the Masters this yeah. week, too. Yeah. yeah. We'll he only that. pops up once a year now. Um, by the way, Nance 
That's called the Masters since 1989. 1986, wow. I thought. He maybe oh. 89 is the, is the big guy. Yeah, he's anchored every one since 1989. Yeah. And then uh, he's been CBS's top NFL voice since 2004. Really? And I think, yeah. Summer before that? Uh, yeah, so 94 was the year that it, everything switched. So that makes sense. Well, you said 2004. Oh, well, Gumble was the number one. Oh, Gumble was the number one, okay. When uh, CBS first got it, right? So I know we, Nance started the Masters in 86 because it was Jack's, you know, last hurrah. It, it could have been Summerall. Wasn't Summerall Fox? Yeah, Summerall and Madden were CBS until oh, um, and switched, when yeah. NFC used to be on CBS and then oh, okay. everything yeah. flipped. Yeah. But by the way, did did am I remembering correctly, did Bob Papa do uh, NFL Network games for a little yes. bit? Yes. 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 Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He's in that he, long list of the Thursday night crew that includes Brian Gumble. Right. Brian yeah. Gumble oh. was the original to do <laughs> NFL Network games. I remember. Everybody hated him. I don't want to say anything bad about the man, but he's fucking awful. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, We've maybe had too much announcer talk, but we do need to get in. The Monday Night Crew is is it started out promising, but it's not it's not enjoyable. And maybe it's because we've had so many losing Monday Night games as gamblers that I just want everyone to shut up and stop talking. But Levy makes a lot of mistakes and Riddick's hard to hear. And Greasy is the most vanilla person out there. I can't stand Levy. He seems like he screws up or is just lost at least five times a game. Um, just says something that like, oh, it's a, it's a you know five yard run. It actually is like a twenty yard run. Um, it's not something <laughs> yeah. stupid like that. He'll just like totally screw up. That's all I wanted to add. Nah, I, I agree on Levy uh, and Riddick. I I like that. We I know we all like him a little bit, but he is tough to hear. Here is my test for fucking Brian Greasy. Okay, who is actually not so bad. But he's had the chance now to talk and give us some behind the scenes about Brady at Michigan. And he gets another chance this week. If he passes this up and doesn't give us any good juicy tidbits about Tom Brady at Michigan when they overlapped, then I'm out. I mean, this is what you're there for. You get one more year with Brady, maybe two. Like, you got to take your chances here. Give people a little bit of insight. Um, he doesn't even mention anything about it. I know. Yeah. By the way, can we, can we talk... Uh... I didn't hear it too much. I only heard like a couple, a couple spots. But Akeem Talib doing that Lions, uh, Washington <laughs> game. I just love that. You texted us. It's like, who the hell's doing this game? Uh, I, I didn't hear him talk because I had the red zone on mute, so I can't talk. But oh, Twitter, you, you seemed, Twitter seemed to enjoy lights. everything that he did. It, yeah. was, it wasn't that bad. I mean, it was funny because it was like obviously not a polished announcer. <laughs> but I thought it was like refreshing in a sense. It was refreshing. Like, I agree. Tells it like it is. Like. Yeah, I mean, I'd rather have more guys like that than the, the Rich Gannons and Trent Greens of the world just like saying the same thing over again. One of the games we had, I think it was it was the Cleveland game, the one o'clock game. I had the volume on the Masters for most of that, but Dick Stockton and Matt Millen reuniting. They they called <laughs> games for Fox together in the 90s and then they were back together and they still don't seem to understand that football's advanced like 20 years since the last time they started announcing football games. So you're getting excited for every fourth down. Like, Oh my God, they're going for fourth and one. <laughs> yeah. they're go- I can't believe they're going for it. Wow. Oh my God. It's crazy. All right. Uh, let's get to trivia. I don't even remember what yeah. question you uh, left with last week. So the question last week was what two players are tied for the most road uh, playoff wins. Um, I think we had a couple people chime in this week. Uh, I know Doug Mechanics had guessed uh, Eli, and I think he said uh, Tom Brady. Flacco. Um, he's Flacco? Okay. Uh, that, that was incorrect. Um, was there anybody else that, that chimed in that you guys remember? Other people chimed but those were the only guesses I've got, those three players. Uh, okay. So, okay. So, yeah, the, the answers are Flacco and Brady. Um, Eli is number three. So Flacco and Brady have each won eight playoff uh, games on the road. Uh, Eli won seven. So that was the trivia question. Um, I was just looking at some of the other playoff stats. Like Brady is like by far and away has the most playoff wins uh, of all time. He has 30 playoff wins of all time. And the next closest is Joe Montana at 16. Um, And I guess maybe part of that's, uh, well, I guess the playoff structure hasn't changed probably since then. Yeah. That's remarkable, regardless. But yeah, this week uh, for you guys, you know, we all watched uh, Drew Locke throw a bunch of interceptions last week. I think uh, our other quarterback that we took, Nick Mullins of the 49ers, threw a bunch of interceptions. So I was wondering, 
what NFL quarterback has the most tackles of all time that, you know, tackle an interceptor on, on return or if there's a fumble, you might get a tackle in there. Um, so the tackle stats only go back to 1994, but can you guys name the NFL quarterback that has the most tackles of all time? That's a great question. I love it. While we think about it, wasn't there a stat? It may have gone out the window this week, but that Larry Fitzgerald has more tackles than drops in his career. That's insane. That's insane. If that's true. I believe it is. My first guess is just going to be purely off of uh, interceptions thrown and longevity, but I would say Brett Favre. That's a good guess. I, I don't see him in the top three. I only have the top three here. I guess he's I mean, not another, a guy who would chase down his. I was going to say another another thing to consider is yeah, who's going to put in the effort to uh, maybe clean up a mess. I don't know that I have a great guess. Fitzy. Um, that's a good guess. <laughs> not Fitzy. That's it. That's actually a really good guess. Is there? Do you have a clue? Mike Vick. Not Mike Vick. I don't want to give you a team. I feel like that's too easy. What about an era? Era. Um, sure. So it's gonna be got to be recent. I guess which de- if he's only keep his stats since 1994, was he a 90s guy, a 2000s guy, or a 2010s guy? He was like a 2000s to 2010s guy. It, probably more in the 2000s. Hey, it's probably even. Brad Johnson. Nah, he's it's 90s. Come on, it's 90s. That's 90s. Well, wait a minute. And Brad Johnson won the Super Bowl in 2003. I guess that was the end of his career. Yeah, but he was All on right. the, like the Vikings in '98. I mean, sorry, Cole Brady. So. <laughs> no, Brady. It's not Culpepper. I was saying. No, oh, no, no. Eli Dalton. Nope. I don't want to give it away. Is the problem? And he was like a starter for most of his career, right? He wasn't like a journeyman. Uh, yeah, he actually. I think he was always the starter. And uh, you want me to tell you tell you how many years he played? Yeah. Uh, it looks like he played fourteen years. And he was a starter uh, for all of those. I, I think he may have gotten hurt a couple times. So Car- Carson Palmer? Carson Palmer is correct. Wow. <laughs> Nicely done. So he had, he had 18 tackles. Good for Hass- Carson. Second, Matt Hasselbeck with 16. Mm-hmm. And then our, our old friend uh, Drew Brees with 13, coming in third. That's shocking to me. Yeah, agreed. But I feel like maybe he threw like those like interceptions that like get batted at the line, and then he yeah. just is like kind of right there to kind of make the tackle. That's a good question. You're doing. You're coming out. You're coming out with some great quarterback only stats the last few weeks. I wanted to guess Flacco for that because Flacco's been involved pretty heavily in some of these trivia things. But well, hopefully he's involved uh, this week if we take the Chargers. Yeah. Uh, not a, not a trivia thing, but a little tidbit. I think I texted you guys this week, but on Thursday night last week when in the Colts game, right? So both Rivers and Jacoby Brissett were the starting quarterback and the backup quarterback for the Colts, both NC State guys, both responsible for TDs. Yet obviously Russell Wilson was an NC State quarterback um, before he went to Wisconsin, responsible for TDs. Jacoby Myers was an NC State quarterback recruit who threw a touchdown in the New England game. But I was thinking, what other teams? had their starting and backup quarterback that went to the same college. And I only came up with one. Um, this is not a trivia question, but just a tidbit. So I don't know if you'd... Wait, so the, the one that you have, is is it... It's not current, it's just every... No, it's both. It, there, there's two current teams that I can think of, one being the Colts, where the starter and the backup have went to the same college. Hmm. This is thought-provoking. <laughs> Man, it's, it's hard being on this side of the trivia. Because <laughs> <laughs> this isn't the one to leave everyone with. It's the Pats with uh, Cam and Stidham. Oh, wow. Both, both Auburn guys. Oh, so. Yeah, Should've I didn't think that. about that. Yeah. Damn. Auburn basics. And Jacoby Myers is involved. It's a tangled web. That's right. It is. It sure is. <laughs> <laughs> All right, leave uh, us with one mark, then we'll get the hell out of here. Yeah, for the for the listeners uh, this week, can you name the team to make the biggest comeback on the road in NFL history? Regular season or playoff? Uh, I think it's regular. I think it's both, but let's let's go with regular season. I, okay. I think it's both, but and it's it's shocking answer. On the road, 
Yes. Okay, so it's not the J-E-T-S Monday Night Miracle against the Dolphins. It is not. It's not uh, <laughs> the Bills um, in that 35-3 yeah. back playoff game at home against the Oilers back in the day. I have no uh, no thoughts, but I'll think about it. And uh, you guys think about it. Chime in. Let us know. Once again, we're going to be deciding between Jacksonville, Denver. Very exciting, those two. Chiefs, Rams, Chargers, Titans, and maybe the Eagles. We're laying off the Seahawks, but everybody bet them tomorrow night. Check out our picks on podcastpicks.co. Mark and Travis, always a pleasure. Let's turn this around this week. Get back in it. And-